We want to say welcome back to the Heights Podcast. At Heights Baptist Church, our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. Uh, one of the ways that we do that is by creating content like this. On the Heights Podcast, we like to explore issues of faith, the culture, and the church. And we like to talk about ways that you can take your next step on your faith journey. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors at Heights. And on this episode, I'm joined, I'm joined by a very special friend. This is Betsy Burke. Betsy Burke, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Good to be here. All right. We're going to nerd out on worship today. All right. Love it. <laughs> uh, why don't you go ahead and tell tell our uh, podcast audience a little bit about uh, what you do and kind of the ministry that you're involved in. Great. Um, I've been leading worship since the 90s, and um, I'm currently leading worship at First Methodist Alvin. Okay. And we're, uh, we have a blended traditional service, and we're going to be launching a contemporary service later this year. Oh, that's exciting. It's really exciting. New, exciting project. Yes. And contemporary worship is my area of expertise. So okay. um, I, uh, I've been enjoying learning more about traditional worship, but I'm excited to really be operating in my wheelhouse. That's awesome. Yeah. So I will, I will just, I'm just going to brag on you for a minute. <laughs> so we first met each other, what, maybe 15 years ago? ish somewhere around there right um worship leaders have a tendency to be kind of islands unto themselves and i think a lot of that comes from just the fact that we're really busy mm -hmm. and we you know we pour a lot of hours into what we're doing at our churches and so we're not near we're not sometimes we're not quite as good at getting together and right. collaborating as like maybe lead pastors are or you know other ministry you know student pastors they're really good at getting together and, and connecting and networking and sometimes we can struggle with that so um many about 15 years ago when i was also serving in, in the in the methodist church um there was a group uh, of people that that had a vision to get together and connect worship leaders so that we could fellowship together and share resources together and it was that, that was a that was a really was a really good time yeah. for me. Sometimes you don't know when you're in the sweetest season yeah. until you look back and you're like, wow, that was really something special. That was something special. But what I remember as we as we went around the table the first time that we met that group of people, you were working for clearly the biggest church, you know, that was represented in that little group. And I was, you know, and I was in kind of, you know, small to mm, medium. I was, right. I was leading worship for a small to medium sized church here in Alvin. And I just remember... I, I sort of just assumed that the big church heavy hitters were going to be sort of standoffish and sort of have an <laughs> attitude that was like, we're better than all of these little churches. You know what I mean? And I was so unbelievably blown away by the warmth and the openness and the willingness that you had to connect with and to come alongside and resource some of us that were serving in smaller churches. And us connecting um, at that at that kind of connection event led to um, a partnership uh, that lasted many years, right. you know, and so I was able to come to you with questions. Sometimes I would borrow equipment. <laughs> I could get, you know, some, heck, sometimes I borrowed some of your, your people, you know, yeah. like if I had yeah. a hole in my team in a week. And it was just such a huge blessing to me. But to, I was just so that always struck me as, you know, let this person that I met that was at this much, much bigger church just being willing to be to just to, to be helpful and to and to resource the kingdom well i uh, i love leading worship i love to do that but i discovered pretty quickly that it really lit my fire to see other people developing and leading worship like I, just my nurturing mama instinct i guess i'm i'm from a large family and um i think god hard, hardwired me this way but i've just really seen it 
again, looking back over the years, and now I'm trying to operate more within this this area of my strength, I love bringing people together. Mm-hmm. I love um, giving people with various giftings and various strengths a place to kind of fit together and do something um, magical. And if I can use that word in a church setting, but just something otherworldly, supernatural um, for the glory of God, but then to see their gifts being part of something and for them to experience a sense of belonging, it is just, it's just the best for me. And so I don't think I even realized that that's part of who I was back then because it, it just was so instinctive, like breathing. But as I've looked back, it's like, oh, I'm kind of that person in the group that really likes to bring people together and and form one cohesive really family i love it i love it when it comes to leading worship uh, that one of the things that that can be difficult about bringing people together is you have as many people as you have in the room you have that many opinions and tastes when it comes to things like musical style and what songs we're going to sing and right. that can be a that can be a real challenge, especially if you're dealing with like a multi generational church where you've got young people, you've got older people, you know, lots of different lots of people from different backgrounds and different styles. And so that's always been that's kind of always been a challenge for me is to try and figure out like what is the what are the songs, what is the music, what are the what's the media, what are the things that that can bring us all together. Mm. When we, when we have different tastes and opinions. Yeah, that's like, such a good point. Uh, you know, I think one of the hardest things for me in different settings has first been to remember myself that worship isn't music. That's, that's And good. then to teach our congregation, worship isn't music. Worship is adoration. You know, in the Old Testament, they talked about they fell down on the ground, face down, and worshiped. Nobody said, and they were singing this awesome Chris Tomlin song or King David song or whatever. They just fell on the ground and worshiped. So worship is really about the object of our adoration. It's not about the way we get there. Now, we're musicians, so we worship with our music, and people are so moved by music that it gets the heart of who they are. So if we can, if we can just remember that music is the vehicle, but worship uh, is such a heart issue. And so, um, like I said, my area of expertise is contemporary worship, and I'm currently in a setting where we're primarily singing traditional songs and hymns and um, worshiping with an organ. And I worried that I'd feel like a fish out of water, but this many years leading worship, I've discovered that nothing really has changed. When I'm there and I'm leading a congregation, um, I'm worshiping Jesus, and I can do that wholeheartedly while singing, you know, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, Mm -hmm. um, if I will pay attention to what the lyrics are and pay attention to the object of my worship and and give it all. And so I'm I'm trying to teach the congregation the same thing. It's very difficult sometimes in a traditional setting. Um, And I say that it's very difficult in a setting. We tend to listen to the voices that are the loudest. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the most. Um, And so I'm I'm really fortunate that I'm in a place with a congregation who sings. They love... They love to join in. They love to be part of the service. They don't just observe. And that's super refreshing. So if I can make them feel at home with the songs that we're singing, if I can introduce some songs in a way that are accessible to them, they will join in and worship wholeheartedly. When you're looking at the songs that your congregation is going to sing, what are some of the things that you look for um, 
when you're looking at songs? Like what are some of the kind of, what are some of the criteria you're looking at? Like what are, how, what are, what's kind of your thought process when you're choosing songs for worship? So um, I have, the pendulum has swung uh, both ways for me to extremes where I've been very thematic or I've just been all in my feels. Uh (laughs) And um, so now I do start with the theme. If I know what the pastor is going to be preaching about, I try to think about the theme and and really find one at least one centerpiece song that's going to teach. But my um, my attitude on worship is we are to lift up the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. We are to lift up the cross of Christ, and we are to sing about the blood of Christ. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit fills the place and does what only He can do. And so. Um, our role is really just to magnify the name of Jesus. And so I'm looking for songs and and it can it can be tricky. Like sometimes I'll be picking out songs and I'm like, oh, that song goes really well with this song because the key change and the tempo and those are all things I look at as well because mm-hmm. you want these transitions to move people through a journey, but I'll suddenly realize all I'm singing about is, you know, coming alive in a river and dancing in freedom, which are all great things. And I never mentioned Jesus Christ. Oh, gotcha. I never mentioned the cross. And so I do kind of go back over that and go, are, are, we, are we making sure that the object of our worship, that Jesus Christ is front and center? Um, that's my top priority. And that came from um, a book study I did with a group of people, um, a book called How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. Uh-huh absolutely amazing uh it definitely has its biases so uh i I, when it comes to books and book recommendations i always say take the best leave the rest um you may not agree with all of the theology in it but his way of looking at worship and his way of keeping the main thing the main thing Mm -hmm. really helped me clarify my mission as a worship leader i like that my my world was rocked a couple of years ago because i've always been a very thematic worship worship planner you know, I, I start, I start with the text. I pour over the text. I'm looking at big ideas. I'm looking at keywords, you know, I'm, I'm in dialogue with, with, uh, our, with our lead pastor trying to figure out like, what is Sunday going to look like? And, and what is, what is the sermon that we're preaching through the music that we're singing together? Mm-hmm. And I always felt like that was the right way to do it. I mean, right. it's certainly the way I like to do it. Right. Um, and I went to a, a conference a couple of years ago and the guy and the guy that was presenting kind of laid out some different wrong ways to choose worship and thematic was one of the wrong ways. And I was like, no, hold on a second. No, 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 no. But his point was, and his point was, I think really a really important one. He's like, like, don't get me wrong. Like thematic is great, but are you so focused on what's in the passage that you're not thinking about the people? In other words, what are the songs that, that your congregation needs to hear what are the songs that that what are the things that they need to sing about? Because sometimes what they need to be singing about, depending on what's going on in your church and your culture and your and all of that, sometimes that that's not just gonna be what's in the passage. Right. You oh, know? And so, so that good. really that that really resonated with me. And so I've been trying to be a little I've been trying to be a little less hyper focused mm-hmm. on keywords in the passage yeah. and try to be yeah. just a little more aware of what's going on in the congregation and the life of our church. Right, and any church you're in is is your mission field. Yes. And so it's so important to learn the language. Like you are going in, uh, especially if you're entering into a new congregation, this would be my advice to somebody, is go in and learn 
the la- the local language mm-hmm. and and respect it and be humble. Um, it is not your job to teach them your language. It is your job to learn their language and preach the gospel in the way that you're gifted to do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's critical is not missing that I've seen so many worship leaders that find their favorite songs that really move them in their private worship time, and they just want to share it so much with the congregation, but they kind of go off in their own world and leave the congregation behind. Right. And um, in this book that I was referencing, he he talks about the worship leader extending a hand to the congregation and inviting them in and extending another hand up to God. And, you know, you're that connect point. But then when they connect, let go and get out of the way. Oh, I like that. And I just thought, oh, that's, yeah, that's so beautiful. That's such a beautiful picture of what we can be doing um, in worship. When it comes to what we're doing in worship, I wanted to just talk a little bit about kind of philosophy. Mm. Like, because... Because the thing is, like, so you've got a bunch of people standing on a stage. We've got microphones. We've got instruments. Sometimes, right, so right. depending on your church, you might have a band. Right. Um, it looks a lot like a concert. Right. Um, and there's some elements that are similar, but then there's also some ways in which it's really different. Right. So the kind of the question I wanted to ask you is kind of like, when it comes to like your philosophy of worship, like, what are we doing? when we're gathering on Sunday morning, when we're on the stage, when we pick up a microphone, like what, like what, what role are we filling as, as, as worship leaders or as a worship team? Um, we, we're feeling, <laughs> there's, there's a lot that's going on, but I think that we need to remember that first and foremost, we're ministering to God mm-hmm. and we are priests of God of the most high. Um, but that we are teaching our congregation they are also priests. And so we're very much in a facilitator role. Um, we're in a role where we're, we're trying to um, teach our congregation about what it means to worship and ways to worship so that, so that the time of music before the sermon isn't the sermon setup or the appetizer. I like that. It can be the main course. This is where people are encountering God. This is where people um, may be experiencing healing, restoration, life change, conviction. They may be able to really uh, experience God's grace pouring over them and um, even having a physiological response to that. We want to create that space. I think worship leading is all about facilitating. And so if we remember that, A, there may be lights, there may be microphones, and we may have our best outfit on, <laughs> but it's not about us. Right. Um, and then while our focus is on God, we need to have a genuine love for the people we're standing before. Mm. Um, in, a, in a sense that we want to serve them, um, that we're there to serve them, that they're not there to serve our ego, that they're not there to serve the song, and um, and quite frankly, that the song's not there to serve us and our, you know, being able to showcase whatever our talent is, how we can shred it on the guitar, or um, I, I think it's important to play to people's gifts so that they can do it well. Mm-hmm. Um Again, so that we can make that connection. I think it's all about connections, um, connections with God and connections with other people and um, creating that space where people can encounter God. I think I kind of said that all around in different circular ways, but there's there's just so much going on. And I've gotten off the platform on Sunday mornings and gone home with just my brain hurting. Mm-hmm. I think when you're the key worship leader, 
you're thinking about so many things simultaneously and instinctively. Um, and those moments where you have raised up a team well enough, technical, um, vocalist, band, or if you're in a traditional setting, you know, your organist and your pianist, where we listen to each other and listen to the Spirit of God, and we all kind of instinctively are watching the congregation and their ability to worship. Where as a worship leader, you can just, you could just relax and know that everybody's doing their part and moving with the Spirit. Um, but that takes some doing. That yeah. takes some learning to listen to each other. That takes some yielding to one another. And mm -hmm. that takes laying down egos um, and insecurities. Like you have this ego and insecurity kind of hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Some people think they're better than they are. Some people think they're not as good as they are. And that's all playing in instead of just bringing exactly who I am to the platform, to the congregation, and worshiping God with all my heart with the very best of what I have today. That's so awesome. Uh, you use the word facilitator several times and I was think I was I liked that because that's exactly that's exactly how I describe what we're doing as a worship ministry I basically I basically see us having two functions and one is facilitating worship mm -hmm. which is everything that we're doing we're doing in order to create an environment so that our congregation can worship together exactly and then the other piece of it I think is kind of modeling mm. In other words, so when we're standing on when we're standing on the stage, the reason why we're on a stage and why we might have a microphone is because is not because we're awesome, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. let's be real, like a lot of us aren't. aren't you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Right. We're right. using we're using the gifts that God's given us, and we're doing the best we can. But, we're the I local mean, talent. We're the yeah, exactly. That's that's a great way to put it. <laughs> but um, this is what it this is what it sounds like to worship. You know, uh, you know, guys, listen to Trey. Trey's got a microphone so that you can hear. Uh, a male voice worshiping, yeah. you know, um, and then, you know, Ashton's on the drums or Greg's on the drums because they're keeping us in time. Yeah. And uh, Terry or Cindy, they're on the keyboards because they're providing that harmony so mm -hmm. that we can sing so that we can sing like in tune and show right. us where the key, keys are. And then when it comes to when it comes to the guitar players, oh, <laughs> the guitar players are there because that's what Selah is in the Psalms. <laughs> I know if you if you look up if you look in your Bible and you look at what Selah means in the Psalms, it's going to say we don't know what it means. We think it might be a musical term, but uh, but as far as I'm concerned, Selah is a guitar solo. It's shred. <laughs> it's shred. Well, and I think there's one more one more piece of that, and I think this can get missed a lot as we lead worship Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and we try to uh, hone our craft is. We need to enter into the presence of God ourselves mm -hmm. with the state of our heart in that moment. And um, I think I've seen a lot of um, I've seen a lot of teaching where they recommend that the worship leaders save that for their own, sorry, private time of worship. Mm -hmm. But I think that you mentioned modeling it. But I think don't miss it yourself. Mm -hmm. Go in expecting to be transformed by the presence of God yourself mm -hmm. and have the courage to um, be vulnerable enough to let the congregation see you encountering God and experiencing God and maybe being convicted by God or transformed by God or healed by God in real time. Um, that can be a powerful powerful thing and um, it can be a confusing thing for the congregation too to just you know suddenly see you hit your knees or weep or um 
or dance, um, but not be able to contain the goodness of God mm. as the Spirit's moving in that moment. And I think, I think that can be a, a defining line between um, a really effective worship leader versus a really skilled song leader. Gotcha. And those those are different things. Yeah. All right, let's dig, let's dig into this a little bit. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little bit vulnerable here with okay. you know just well, it's just you and me and whoever's watching. And Hi, it's Mom. only probably gonna be saved forever. <laughs> yeah, I hope this isn't going with my resume somewhere. One of the, <laughs> one of the things that I struggle with as a worship leader is there's a lot of plates spinning. Mm. I, I use the analogy of like in the same way that like if you ever look at my computer, there's like 47 like browser tabs open like I'm like because I've got because that's just kind of like I feel that way on Sunday morning mm. because there's a lot of tech issues going on and there's streaming stuff and there's video stuff and there's audio stuff and there's a click track and there's them trying to keep the band together and trying to make sure that you know like I'm not playing wrong notes on the guitar and trying to like remember the words right and there's just there's just a lot going on and, you and, know, and thinking keeping... about what you're going to do if something happens yeah and so <laughs> One of the things I really struggle with as a worship leader. Now, on Sunday mornings where things go, things go smoothly, everything's great. And I have no problem right. entering into that presence. Yeah. On weeks where I'm spending a ton of time troubleshooting, chasing gremlins, trying to make technology work, something's broken at the last minute and you're scrambling trying to like get the computers working or getting getting the, you know, getting, you know, video stuff dialed in, I really often hit the platform really rattled yeah you know and and it like if you'll ever like usually i find like if i say something stupid during a transition <laughs> or if they're like hey can you do announcements and i like say something really dumb during if, if i have like a really big like verbal gaffe on a sunday morning it's usually because something went catastrophically wrong during the sound check in the tech world right and so like right. how do you i guess i want to use the word compartmentalize mm-hmm mm how do you leave some of that like tech drama behind so that you can like enter into God's presence? And like you said, like, and that's what we're doing. We're modeling for our congregation. So it's not just about playing the songs right or singing the right notes or singing the right words. Yeah. Um, but about being there in the moment. Right. When there's so much stuff going on yeah. in the back of your head. Yeah. Um, I, as you were, as you were describing this, I was thinking about the things that helped me shift um, and be be ready to be fully present in worship when things like that happen. And of course, there's always going to be those days where you fail miserably at it. <laughs> but, you know, um, I think probably like a professional athlete, when they take the field, their mindset has to be nothing but the field and, mm-hmm. and what they've come to do. Um, place I led worship previously we had a we had a framed picture right before we walked onto the stage that we walked by you know just like athletes that, yeah. and it just said it's not about me mm-hmm. um when technical things are going wrong at some point you have to you have to acknowledge that the prep is done mm-hmm. and we are just here to worship even if we are rolling down the hill <laughs> and collecting burrs the way but we're here to worship and and so you know i was thinking one of those tools that i didn't even realize and um i think i need to activate again in in my life and in my repertoire was the countdown video Hmm. there's something mentally that happens in those neural pathways i think when you see the countdown going 
three, two, one. And you just take a breath and, you know, just feel everything. But that's where you, you focus instead of on you, but just, God, this is, this is a mess right now. And I'm going to bring you the very best pieces I've got of it. And, and I just, I love you that your grace covers all of, all of the mess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his, his grace covers all of the mess, but it also, it covers all of the good stuff. We have these great Sundays and we'll just be like, that was all God. And we have this terrible Sundays and we're like, that was all us. No, no. Mm-hmm. His, his strength is shown in our weakness and it's still all God. And so I think we can give him glory for all of it, that he humbled us, that he taught us, that he that there's something that we can take from all of the, the mess and go, okay, what do we need to look at differently? And one of my philosophies for worship, or worship, not leading on a Sunday, but leading a worship team was, um, we really want the product to glorify God. We really want, when it's all said and done, people, the goal for us, how do we measure when people had an encounter with God? Mm-hmm. But then I started to realize that if we had this process that honored God, I mean, this product that honored God, but a process that didn't, mm. um, we were whitewashed tombs. Oh, wow. And people could smell it. They could smell the decay on the stage. Is oh, wow. You know, we put forth this really great front, but behind the scenes, we're fighting with each other, or we're snippy with each other, or we didn't prepare, we didn't rehearse. You know, we were like, oh, I got that song, or I'm talented enough to make it up. As long as it's in the key of C, you know, <laughs> I, I I can fumble around in here and shred just fine. And um, our process stinks, but our product may be shiny. We're not honoring God. And so then, I, you know, I'd start bringing forth, we need to, in our process, honor God as much as we do in our product. And I started to realize we can get and we would go back on Mondays after our Sunday service and we'd go through, okay, where where was the failure? What do we need to maybe shift in our process? We were changing all the time. The tech guys, it drove them crazy because they like to get in their routine and stick to something that works. Don't fix something that's not broken. And we're right. like tweaking every little broken thing and shift, shift, shift. But I started to realize the process can honor God and the product can honor God. But if the person... Hmm doesn't honor God. And so it really became a a 3P philosophy for me is first, the person has to honor God. Mm -hmm. You need people on the platform who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's, there are places to develop people and grow them in discipleship. But that's not, the, uh, in my opinion, the place to bring a non-believer to lead mm-hmm. people into the presence of God. So first, the person needs to honor God. And if you're in a leadership role, you need to be honoring God with, with all of it. The, and then the process will honor God if the people honor God. And then finally, the product will honor God. Oh, that's good. The person. The process. The process. The product. And the product. Yeah. Wow. But first, the person. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm thinking about like, I'm, I'm so grateful for my team. I've got such a fantastic team. You know, it's, there are times where, especially when we're doing like a big thing, like, like a big Christmas thing, yeah. and we do one of these big services where there's a lot of moving parts, you yeah. know, and, you know, and, and, you, and you finish up and you, and you, and you get done and you, you know, you, you get off the stage and you start seeing some people and, and shaking some hands and giving some hugs and, you know, and some of our, our people and our people in our congregation are just they're so wonderful and they're so encouraging. They're like, oh, you know, Pastor Matt, that was great. I was like, I don't feel like I did anything. Yeah. Like all I did was just 
facilitate like this incredible team. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I've really enjoyed watching um, at our at our particular church is is growing the team. Um, when when I first got when I first came to Heights, we had three tech volunteers serving every single Sunday and a couple of subs. Yeah, um, that's tough. And so and and then um, last week I was going over like rosters and stuff in planning center and I've got at the moment I've got 15 active tech volunteers. That's so exciting. Um, several of them are junior hires. Yeah. Which is exciting in more than one way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I have just <laughs> loved I have loved and you know and it it basically started when my son and his group of friends got old enough to start helping out uh, in yeah. VBS instead of being in VBS. Mm-hmm. And that's where like we started building some the skills of of some of these teenagers. Um, and also our student ministry at, at Heights does a really great job of building and developing yeah. young worshipers and worship leaders, both like on the platform and behind and behind the scenes. And it has been so cool to to get a chance to do that. Yeah. But you know, when I think about the hours that's that our team members, you know, our volunteer team members spend behind the scenes yeah. making this stuff happen. You know, the the late nights, the weekends, the upgrades, the troubleshooting, the chasing of gremlins. Um, that I just I couldn't do by myself. You know, I couldn't do any I mean, except for maybe playing the acoustic guitar. I'm not right. sure there's anything I could do on a Sunday morning by myself. Yeah. But I'm I lean so heavily on this incredibly gifted and incredibly willing to serve group of people. Well, and they do that because they know they know the stakes, they know the impact, they know that that they're making a difference and what they're doing matters. People won't do put in those kind of hours or do that kind of thing for free if if they don't really understand the deeper impact and the the eternal um, legacy mm-hmm. that they're getting to put put um, their life to and their their time to, and that is a crucial role of the worship team leader is because you are constantly, I'm sure, going back and saying, thank you guys so much for what you did. Here's a story of how it changed a life, or this is why it's making a difference. And um, people need to, to be brought back to the purpose and be brought back to the mission of this is specifically why we were planted in this community for this job, and it's happening. And you put in countless hours that nobody will ever see, but God saw it, and I saw it, and I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... That's an incredible treasure to have, and those are memories uh, that that last last a lifetime and forge friendships and bonds that um, are unlike anything and unlike anything else. It's been so it's been so cool to watch some of my team members grow too, like yeah. to grow grow spiritually, but also just to grow in their like in their skills and their gifting. Yeah. Um. When we had we had a drummer when i first came to heights um but that drummer graduated and went off to college pretty soon after i got here and so for the first year or so that i was here i was begging borrowing stealing and hiring drummers right. like every single sunday like every monday morning it was going to be like okay i need a set list and i need to find a drummer and the problem <laughs> is is like i know a handful of drummers but most of them are serving faithfully in their own churches right. so it's really hard especially on short notice yeah. to try and call another drummer because they're going to be like well yeah, I'd love to help you out, but I'm already I'm already serving in my church. Right. So it's unless you're in a church that's got a pretty deep bench with a lot of rotation, like a lot of times that drummers are busy. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so and we had we were really blessed to have um to have a, a professional who would drive down from the north side of Houston and play with us most Sundays and and 
and she was a real blessing to have. Um, but I didn't really have like the budget set up for right. it. And it was just, it was just this it's constant stress. Um, and so at the very beginning, at the very beginning of 2020, um, I had a junior hire who had been taking drum lessons and he and I worked for like, we had three rehearsals, just the two of us before the big band practice, like on a wow. Wednesday night. And my goal was like, I want to get you comfortable enough with these five or six songs that you, that we can get through a service and like, and it's going to be a positive experience for you. And the very first service he was supposed to drum for was uh, March 15th of 2020, which is the very first one where we shut down yeah. and went online only because of COVID. Um, and so that was, and like, I was devastated. I was like, oh my gosh, like this kid has worked so hard. You know, yeah. we spent so much time oh getting him gosh. ready. But then what was kind of cool was, so then we shifted from doing, from doing in-person worship to, you know, making, to, to making right. videos like pre-recorded yep. worship for, for while we were on Island only. So that meant he came on Wednesdays. And so for the first several weeks that he was our drummer, like, it was on it was on camera like we could rehearse we could do another take we oh, could great. we could go back and overdub it if we had to like so it was like on the one hand like i could tell that he was kind of bored because there wasn't a room full of people so it was a totally different dynamic yeah, back yeah, in those days yeah but on the other hand by the time we came back as a congregation and we were in person again he had had several months of weekly worship drumming under his belt yeah and then just to watch that kid go from from that from that junior hire who um, could maybe get us through four or five songs without any train wrecks, you know what I mean? Yeah. To now he's a senior in high school and it's just, and he's just killing it. And he can play anything. Yeah. You know, so it's just been cool. And I know I brag about him all the time, but he's, it's, it's been, it's been so cool to watch him grow, uh, not just as a musician, but right. also as a person, you know, and just, just I'm just so grateful for, um, for my team. I'm so grateful for my guitar guys because I know they spend time in the woodshed. Yeah. You know, they, they're learning those parts. I'm grateful for my keyboard players who look at their sheet music and practice their stuff ahead of time. And they come and they hit that they hit that stage on Wednesday night prepared. Yeah. Nobody's trying to figure it out. Everybody's put in the time. Right. You know, and that's so that's like so important. Um, and like you said, like there's there are hours, there's hours of preparation that happen in worship ministry that nobody's going to see and nobody's ever going to know about it, but right. God knows about it. Absolutely. And we used to tell our congregation, uh, I mean, not our congregation, our team, um, and I had a, a sound guy who would laugh about it, but he remembers me going up to him and saying, he said something about practice. And um, I said, this is not practice. This is rehearsal. You practice at home. Gotcha. There's a distinction. You practice at home. You come ready to rehearse with a group so that we don't have to wait for you to learn the song. And um, he was the sound guy. He's like, well, excuse me. And I go, but that goes for the tech too. Hmm. Know the music. You're playing the most important instrument if you're a sound guy. Mm -hmm. You are playing such an important instrument if you're running lights, in, depending on your setting, because where people are going to look, how that room's going to be set up. You are setting the, you are literally a worship leader from a technical role because you're setting the environment. And if you're running a camera so that somebody in the hospital can have an encounter with God, how you take your shots, how you shift, whether or not the camera's live matters. Um, so it's important to know the songs just as well as the musicians do, mm -hmm. if not better, because you got to know what all the different parts are. Um, a really great, great sound guy will do that. I had um, a couple of drummers who duplicated themselves out 
And, you know, one of them became a drum instructor for high school. He competed at the college level and then he came he came back. And uh, another one, he just get he's just brilliant. He gets bored. So he's learning all the instruments like he, he started with guitar, actually started with drums, then guitar, then bass and keys. And but then he shares that with other kids and to see them take kids under their wings. You know, um, when I started doing this, I played no instruments, Mm -hmm. zero instruments. And so I was completely reliant on musicians. I didn't speak instrument. Um, I knew enough music theory, kind of, but, um, couldn't read music and most of our our guys in a contemporary setting are using charts a lot of them can't you know read sheet music but I relied on them heavily to be um, gracious and patient with me Mm -hmm. to listen to my jabbering when I would say no I want it like you know it's industry term and um, (laughs) and they they would laugh at me but we would they they would humor me but they would trust me and To have such skilled, gifted musicians trust somebody who doesn't know their instrument as well, um, but will will just um, humbly come along in the journey and, and help facilitate the final outcome was incredible. And then um, the hours in the woodshed, I'm just going to come back to, are not just on your instrument. Hmm. And I had um, a very dear friend who uh, passed away in 2019 and just ripped my heart out but he uh he would support me in anything I was doing any way he could he just I believe in what you're doing I believe God's put you here for this reason and I'm gonna I'm gonna lend my strengths my gifts my time whatever I can but um he came to me and he said are you in the word every day and I went every day (laughs) you know really and he said, you know, we talk about this and we encourage other people to do this. And you're leading a whole team of people in various stages of their life and their discipleship. Your spiritual maturity is crucial. Hmm. You have to take this responsibility seriously and spend time with God. You cannot bear the weight of this ministry on your shoulders. You have to abide in Christ. And he said, so I'm going to do this with you. And we would text each other. Every morning, K-W-R, and it meant knees, water, reading, and I added water because he drank so much Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I was like, just drink a glass of water in the morning. So it was K-W-R, and we would just send it to each other that once we'd had bit on our knees, had our glass of water, and read scripture. Um, it, he's like, I don't care if you read a whole lot or a little bit, but spend time with God every single morning, and I just... Um, it's good to have those people in your life that'll hold you accountable because they know the stakes and they know um, they they know how critical it is that you bring a spiritually healthy version of yourself to the team. That's fantastic. Thanks. And praise, praise God for those people. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heights Podcast. Join us next time as Betsy and I continue this conversation about worship in the local church. We worship every Sunday at our Alvin campus on the south side of the Houston metro area. We have worship services at 10.30 a.m. with life groups for all ages at 9 a.m. We also live stream to Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to follow and subscribe for more content from our church. And if you'd like to learn more about Heights Baptist Church, you can visit our website at heightschurch.org.